Hello, Real Talk listeners. We are in our last episode of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And I am here with Michelle, my business partner, my partner in crime, my duo. We are here talking through, gosh, Michelle, what is going on in our last episode here? We're recapping all the fantastic guests we've had over the last three episodes. And I don't even know if it says much of a recap, but I feel like there were some pieces we missed giving to our listeners. Mm-hmm. Or really tying it. So I think that, that, as you know, I'm really good visually. So, you know, in our partnership, I'm absolutely all about the creativity and the thinking, right? And so I feel like we gave them all the pieces, but we didn't always tie it together. I can't believe I almost said it. I'm not going to. It's a, it's a word that is like illegal in real talent to say, but we didn't pull the suggestions together and kind of link them to why we were giving those recommendations to begin with. We want to do that a little bit. And guys, the other thing we want to do in the event that we haven't been crystal clear that we believe diversity, equity, and inclusion is a requirement for humanity. We won't be there until we don't have to say diversity, equity, and inclusion. Until all humans are just treated equally, we won't be there. But just in case you guys haven't gotten the feel that that's what we believe, we're going to take it up a notch and sort of express our opinions. Um, in a little thing we like to call a real rant. Totally. And I think, you know, it, it's interesting because when we were brainstorming this podcast many months ago, we were talking about it. And I feel like it's just such a topic to continue talking about. It's like, get on the fucking bandwagon, people. Yes, I said it. I was the first one to drop the F-bomb in this episode. However, get on the fucking bandwagon. Just do it. It's like Nike commercial. I don't know how much more I can just keep saying this, Michelle. I don't either. It's it's a question that I have asked over and over again for lots of people. Like, at what point can we just say to those in this country who disagree with moving forward, we will call those people assholes for the sake of this discussion. At what point can we just say, look, the rest of us recognize that we are a melting pot. You know what? My people did not come from North America. My people are from Ireland and England, if you look at at my heritage, right? Those of us that believe that this is a melting pot of a country and that's what makes us great, we're going to stay here. The rest of you fuckers, you can go find an island in the middle of nowhere, start your own little country. Okay, bye. Okay, I said it too. <laughs> a little extreme, a little extreme. Michelle. It was, it was. <laughs> like, how many times do people have to hear the word human to understand that applies to all, hu- like, like you can tell the difference between a human and an animal. Um, you could tell the difference if there were aliens around, right? You know a human, it doesn't matter the color of their skin, doesn't matter the shape of their body, doesn't matter their age, doesn't matter what part of the world they were born in. A human is a human. And by definition, every single human deserves 
the same treatment and the same opportunities and the same respect until or if they do something to take that away. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's such a component. I don't know. I mean, I I always like to go back to my anatomy and physiology class. When you strip away the differentiators from individuals externally, we are all internally the same. Yeah, we are. Whether you are Black, white, female, male, religion, you are in a wheelchair, you're not, right? There's there's so many different components. We all have blood inside of us. We all have organs. We all have bones. It's quite interesting. So, you know, it, yeah. I'm not trying to get into, obviously, too much of the scientific logistics, but I think putting this all together, we all just need to do it. How do we incorporate DE&I? There's so many different initiatives we've talked about. I think one of the components we really want to highlight is a lot of companies just don't have the budget to do it or give people a voice to really um, leverage that. And so when you take a look at small companies that, that you know we, we've assessed or discussed, you have less than 50 people, you have less than 100, you're probably not going to invest in a DEI or a chief diversity officer, right? But how do you still create a culture of inclusivity with the staff or the employees that you have on hand? And I think, you know, one of the things that, guys, go back to the third podcast in this particular series. Um, The show notes has some links in it for reputable resources. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. Don't just assume that you can throw together some diversity group and make it work because you understand what a diversity group is about. Who is it being led by? Do you have a diversity philosophy to begin with, right? But if you go to those reputable sources, whether it's Sherm or Robin also talked about, was it General Mills that shared some of their solutions If those don't work for you, that's when you start reaching out to people who are experienced in this area, who are champions for DE&I. Maria, you have training in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, Nikki Lerner from our first series, she is what is called a culture coach, uh, which tries to help people assess where the cultural problems are. So um, if, if the free resources can't be used in a way to be successful, start with those as, as an idea and then reach out to someone who does do this, who's willing to come in and help you, but have hard conversations with your senior leadership at the same time. It needs to be someone who's really going to be honest with you. Yeah, no, no, I agree. Um, And it starts with top down. I think that's the common theme we've saw as well from a leadership perspective. It's there's a a ton of components components to this. I think um, in order for you to be able to make change, you have to be open to change and you have to have an open mindset. And um, that's challenging for some individuals. I've seen that during the pandemic. I, you know, during the the BLM, the protests and whatnot. And so I think that has been 
such a dilemma for business owners in their organization because some were vocal, some were silent. And silence, again, is a way of speech. It's a choice. It's a choice. So, yeah, I think everyone just needs to take that into consideration because George Floyd's situation won't be the first. It won't be the last. And it won't, this won't be the first large movement, right? Um, and it won't be the last. So unfortunately, right? So there, there's a lot of change. There's a lot of work that still needs to be done. I mean, gosh, women in the US were given rights not very long ago, and there's still so much work for equity and fair wage. And um, when you take a look in uh, in the U.S., there's companies still battling this year after year. Um, yeah. Did you see the, um, it was on social media in a lot of places where it, ha- it had all of the vice presidents um, next to Madam Vice President, and she was very large. And then it had different colored boxes. And it basically said, if she were here, she would have been someone's slave. If she were here, she was just now free. If she were here, um, and it highlighted each of the vice presidents in our history, um, and it wasn't until very recently, and I didn't think about it until I read that graphic very recently, where it was like, oh, and here she actually got to vote. It's shocking. There's a there's a long way to go. I think also, you know, one of the things that um, I talked about it in last week, so I'm going to say it again just briefly. One of the things that Nikki recommended was that you get out of your comfort zone, that you look around really simple and you say, who's missing, right? And if there are people of different religions or people with different backgrounds that are missing from your daily activities, then go out of your way a little bit. I would say another thing that you need to do is some self-reflection. The reality is, and kind of like you were talking about physiology and this is just the way the body is made, this is the way the mind works and how your life is built on experiences. Every single person in the world has biases, at very minimum in their head. Some people work really hard not to act on those biases, Um, but the reality is biases are formed because of things that you were taught, things that you experience that start to align with the things that you are taught. And then they start to create this belief in your head of a certain thing. You know, I'm going to give, I'm going to start with probably a less uh, controversial example. Um, and then I'm going to go to a controversial one. And both of them are reality. So all way back to the Civil War, right? A lot of lot of stories have come out about Southerners and Southerners being slow. They talk slow. They think slow. They act slow, right? And so if you are not from the South and you don't know someone smart from the South, you may have heard that message. Maybe not directly, maybe indirectly, but you kind of heard that. Then you start to watch Hollywood movies. And those Hollywood movies reinforce that, or you see a commercial that reinforces it. And now what happens in your brain is you start to link that new piece of knowledge to a previous piece of knowledge, and now you start to decide it is factual. And the minute you start to decide it's factual is when you start reacting based on your belief that it is factual. So. 
if you were told that Black Americans don't get jobs, they live on welfare, and then you meet someone that is unemployed, it's a reinforcement. You have got to, you've got to consciously stop your mind from linking two pieces of information together and making them fact. If you don't do that, you will start to treat people different. You will. So I would say getting real about the fact that you already have biases that have happened like that throughout your life and then start to figure out how you can undo them and which lies you've told yourself. It was really funny. I had an opportunity, um, an incredible OD leader, organizational development leader, Catherine Chin, led a workshop on diversity and inclusion. Um, And I had an opportunity to attend it. And she started off really easy. So she would ask us a question and you'd go to one side of the room if you believed one thing and one side of the room if the answer was different. So she started really easy. Go to the left if the toilet paper should be over. Go to the right if the toilet paper should be under. Go to the left if you prefer cats. Go to the right if you prefer dogs. And at one point she says, go to the right if you have ever expressed a bias against another person. Go to the left if you haven't. And so many people just froze in place, waiting for the other person to admit that they've done it. And it actually took her walking to the side to say that she had done it. And she said, um, you know, her family, higher education was really important. And she remembers in her first corporate job being introduced to someone who never got a degree, just worked their way up. And she remembers thinking, oh, they're probably not as smart as the rest of us. And so she gave that as an example. And she said, your biases are there because of your life experiences. So you can't not have them if you're over the age, probably over the age of 10, you're going to have them. Totally. I mean, it blows my mind that people froze because I feel like, I mean, maybe I'm just super self-aware through my experience, but like, I feel like we've all been trained that we have unconscious biases. Like, isn't isn't that like a duh moment? I mean, are there really people out there that don't realize they have unconscious biases? I'm not sure if it was fear of admitting it or just not realizing it. There were, in fact, people that even even when she did that and the rest of the group was like, yeah, I've probably done those things before. And they go over there. There were still a handful of people that would not go to that side of the room. I don't know. I feel like we're all unintentional assholes. And there's some intentional assholes, but yeah, the intentional assholes we'll talk about when we talk about toxic culture and (laughs) and narcissists at work. But there are pieces of us that are unintentional assholes. Like I can remember when I worked for an international organization, when I worked for FedEx, I covered the entire East Coast from well, the entire East Coast. I have a Southern accent. I'm not sure if you've noticed or not. After how many episodes? 25, 26? Surely after 26 episodes, you've noticed. And I actually remember delivering a class in Philadelphia where the group said, you know what? You wouldn't understand. You're from the South. 
I was like, what the F are you talking about? I don't understand being yelled at by a customer. Trust me, I've been yelled at by plenty of customers. But there was this assumption that that entire class had made that because I was from the South, people weren't mean down here. They were nice and they moved really slow. And so I couldn't possibly understand the frustration of their customers who were in a hurry. So not all biases are going to detrimentally impact someone's life, but a lot of them do. And that's where where you have to think about it. There are some realities that make it good for you to do business. So knowing that people who like to be fast-paced tend to migrate to city environments, that helps you from a marketing customer service perspective, right? And then you slow down if the customer needs to slow down. Um, One of the things that is a reality in South Carolina is our customers like to talk. So they want you to form a relationship with them. Form that relationship first before you talk about business every single time. So some biases help you to achieve stuff, but many of them cause pain to other people because you're applying them. True. But you, one of the other things I think let's revisit is what you said about companies. So for all of our listeners out there that are leaders within an organization, your silence is a choice. It is an action. Your employees, your team members, they see it as an action on your part. And you might not know what to say, and that's okay. Tell them that. I guarantee your team would have more respect for you being straight up and saying, I'm not sure how to approach this or what to say. I know that I'm not comfortable with how people in this country are being treated. I'm just not sure how to approach it within this team. They'll tell you. If you just demonstrate that element of honesty, they'll tell you where to go next. So interesting, I had an opportunity to hear, I'm so going to mess up his name, Patrick Licioni, who is incredibly famous for a book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. I'm actually really excited about his new book, uh, but I had, he was interviewed in a virtual summit that I attended and he was asked, what single skill does he believe is most critical for leaders coming off of 2020? And they sort of went through all of it, not just the pandemic. They talked about every single BLM. They talked about Antifa. They talked about the courthouse, all of it. Like the entire year was sort of a shit show. And he said, being genuinely authentic authentically human. If they can't do that, they should not be leaders. That it is time for leaders to be able to show their hearts, show their fears, show their love, show their anger, and let their people know that they are also human. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because there are leaders that have hate are they supposed to show their hate too? That could really turn really bad. Oh, can I be honest right now? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. 
I'd rather that they come out of the shadows so that organizations can get rid of them. Because right now, what they're doing is demonstrating it covertly. They're doing it behind the scenes. They're not telling you they're racist, but they're never promoting anyone from a minority. They're never giving anyone a chance. I would almost prefer the people come out and say, I hate this. I hate the idea of Black Lives Matter. And then organizations can make a conscious choice. Do I want that leader to represent me or not? As long as these people live in the shadows, systemic issues are going to exist forever because they're the ones in power, they're the ones in control, and they're hiding it enough that the rest of us don't know to fight back. True story. Also, when I say fight back, I don't mean pull out some sticks and some fists, just so you all know. (laughs) Yeah, let's not all storm the Capitol again. Right. I'm talking about your words, your your choices to leave that department, work for a leader that is different, your choices to go to HR and push back, your choices to file legal claims, because guess what? Minorities are in protected classes from a legal perspective. So you don't have to rest solely on your employer making the right choice. Your story. Feels like such a serious, um, we're going to have to get passionate. to come out of this this is passionate like you're saying get the hell out of these leaders get out they're supposed to work somewhere though right well you know what here's the deal get a new perspective or don't get a job like I don't know I you know what we talk a lot about toxic leaders because you and I have had some experiences with toxic leaders And you and I have the same point of view on companies and toxic leaders. There is a moment when as an organization, you have a freaking responsibility. Those people come to work and I get it. You know, I've heard people argue that the founder or the CEO, they have the most money on the line. They have the biggest reputation on the line, blah, 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 right? I've heard it all. And I agree with you. As someone, you and I, who are starting our own company, we got it all on the line. Anybody that we hire a contract under us, they're not really carrying the the weight of this, right? But our intention is to treat them with respect because they're willing to walk through that door and help us achieve our dream. That's the way organizations have got to look at their employees. These people are willing for some reason or another, to walk through that door and help you accomplish your goals and your dreams. They're not theirs. They didn't think them up, but they're going to come in and they're going to bust their ass to make things right for your dream. The least you could do is give them an environment where they can thrive, where they can develop, where they can grow, where they can be satisfied, where they can enjoy coming to work. That is the very least you can do. You can do a whole lot more, by the way. And if you would like us to help you figure out what a whole lot more is, reach out to us at realtalent.com. <laughs> but at the very minimum, you can make work a good place. Yeah, I think it's uh, critical. If you And I think that's why I enjoy what we do, because we ask others to be vulnerable with us, because you're literally saying this doesn't work, right? 
my current training that we have developed doesn't exist, right? So you're saying there's nothing. It's, you have an empty glass bottle right now that you need filled. Or you're coming to us and saying, this is broken, right? Or this is my vulnerability. Like we are lacking this in our department or our organization. Please help. And so we expect every one of our clients to be vulnerable, but it's tough when you're at a hierarchy and organization to create vulnerability with your population, whether it's in a positive or opportunistic way. Um, so I think that's the most critical component. And that's a starting point. Um, another thing I want to say is probably data. If you take a look, a good starting point um, that we didn't really kind of get too much into into this, but you have to take a look at your data. I'll tell you, I like to go um, because I'm super into benefits. So I like to go take a look at companies and their whole their application process, as well as just in general, like what what their job descriptions look like, what they're putting in there, what their careers page looks like to see what they're doing. I love there's some companies that literally when it gets to that um, section, that's all voluntary self-disclosure surrounding what gender you are, what race you are, all of that. Right. The last section of the application process, they don't just have male, female choose not to uh, apply like they have a ton of binary responses now which is super phenomenal and these are all ways from a dei perspective you can take a look and create additional inclusivity i also have been doing a lot of research the last couple of days how you create some of those data points that robin spoke of so like a lot of the questions you can't just like come out and post all of your veterans in an organization, right? It's it's a little bit more than that. And you probably don't even have some of them chose not to disclose or they just thought it was, they were disclosing for the application process. So there's a whole process around obtaining data to see where your diversity is within your organization and where your inequities are to create equities and then really surveying your population. I know it's horrible. You don't want to like survey to death. So I like encourage you if you have a large organization large enough to conduct an engagement survey to try to include it in a section there for people to respond to or um, some sort of pulse check survey or, you know, I don't know, sub survey. I hate saying survey to death, um, but you can't really get this unless you ask individuals questions in one, in one format or not. So I would say I would encourage you to take a look, see how your HR systems can make adjustments to some of the data to be a little bit more inclusive in your environment and allow for the autonomy, but also not just looking at those capabilities, but taking a look at how you're creating that inclusivity. And I think when you have a smaller organization, so I'm talking to our small business leaders right now, you know, 200 or less, maybe you can capture that data re readily, um, really easily. But I think it's interesting because when you take a look at the large companies of the world, they like to hide all their diversity data because they feel like it makes them look poorly. When you're in a small company, there's nothing to hide. You literally look inside like the one room and you're like, um, I'm the only like Hispanic person up in here right now. What is going on? <laughs> right. Exactly. So everybody is white and I am the 1% that is not. So it's a little bit more easy to call it out when you're smaller. Um, so it, you probably need the most help in that category if you are a smaller business, because it just takes a walk around a building 
for people to quickly figure out what your expectations are as a leader or as an HR individual? You know, it's interesting. And we talk about this and HR often gets a lot of grief because they talk about the people stuff and how does that tie to business, right? And it's there's some really great companies and you'll hear them in future podcasts who recognize that taking care of the customers or taking care of their employees equals taking care of the customers um, and growing their business. But for me, this one is such a no-brainer. Like, I don't even understand why leaders would struggle with the idea that diversity is important. And I'll use something that I can quote a statistic right off the top of my head. 80% of purchasing decisions that are made in the United States of America are made by a woman. 80% of purchasing decisions. So if 80% of the things that are bought are decided by a female, why wouldn't you have adequate females deciding what your products are, how your products are marketed? Another great example is your workforce. If 50% of your workforce is a minority group, why would you not have adequate representation at the level that leads them? It goes all the way down to the customer, right? So adequate representation leading your employee base should adequately represent your customer base. It all becomes an impact on whether or not people do business with you. Now, I'm going to go back to those crazy millennials one more time. They're going to stop doing business with you. I can promise you they can find it anywhere else in the world and they will go somewhere else in the world. Yep. There's too many businesses right now. You're not the only person on that. Uh, You're not the only shop in town, that's for sure. Right. You, you are not limited to, like with baby boomers or even the beginning of the X generation, you're not limited to where what brick and mortar store can I drive to in a convenient amount of time. I don't, I don't even care. Amazon.com, I don't even care where you are. Like I order more, not even from Amazon anymore. I order more from people online than I do go into a store. So I can get it anywhere. And I'd rather get it from a company that treats people well. Mm-hmm. So true. So guys, here's the reality. You have either got to join the bandwagon or you've got to expect to be obsolete at some point in the near future. Well, I'd, I'd rather take the first one and get on the bandwagon, everyone. We know people that can help you get on that band- bandwagon. We do, don't we? We had a whole list of speakers you can reach out to, including ourselves. So if I have one thing for you to take away from this podcast, get your ass up and go and do it. Just do it. Like get up, do something, make a change. I don't care if you already have diversity and race and gender in your organization. That's not all you have to think about. And there's so many companies out there willing to help and pay for you to be more diverse and equitable and inclusive of thought, body, mind, and soul in your organization. So go do something, get moving, get your ass up, read a book, 
That's all I have to say. Until next time. Peace out, listeners. Bye, guys.